I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from TPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. You're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? Today's episode is about a budget build on a 12-valve Cummins, and there's a ton of cool things we're going to talk about. And before we get to it, though, we want to thank BD Diesel and Dan's Diesel Performance for helping make this episode possible. Make sure and check out dieselperformance.com and dansdieselperformance.com. They've got a ton of upgrades for really any truck that you have, whatever you want to do with it. Those websites are just filled with turbos and injectors, transmission parts, tons of different things. All right, let's get to this 12-valve budget build and, and learn how any of us can build a truck like this one. Josh, it is fantastic to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Your truck and what it did in UCC and all the things that we've we've heard about you and your builds. I know our listeners are going to love love hearing about your journey in diesel performance, but I wanted you to start by telling us about your UCC experience. Um, UCC was... Uh... Definitely one of those things I'll probably never forget um, between building the truck, just getting there, and then being there, um, and then reflecting on what happened, you know, a couple weeks later. It was definitely an experience that I will never forget. Um, at the actual event, uh, we ended up driving. I live in Southern California. We ended up driving uh Went through Utah, picked up a buddy, and we did that drive straight. We got to UCC at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, the day of the dyno. Uh, we drew our number. Uh, luckily, we drew in the afternoon because we still had some work to do on the truck. We had cracked a fuel injection line right as we were loading up. Uh, Patty Hazley brought it out to us. Um, so we got the truck fixed. Kind of got our, like, little pit area set up, and we hit the dyno. Um, we hadn't tested the truck at all other than driving it around the walk to make sure that it, the transmission was shifting and that the engine would actually run. Um, so we went ahead, put it on the dyno. Our first our first pull on the dyno was fuel only. I believe it did 900-something horsepower and 1,700 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, then we turned on the nitrous. Our first pull, we used a 125 jet, and I want to say it was like just over a thousand and nineteen hundred foot pounds of torque, and everything looked good, sounded great. Uh, we popped a boot off of the intake horn, so we put the boot back on, and we decided to run an open dash three line to the engine. Did it again, and I, we ended up at 1,033 horsepower, 2,000, I want to say 77 foot-pounds of torque, uh, which is good enough for sixth overall. So right out, on the first day, we were definitely feeling great. Um, went ahead, uh, we, we ended up bursting that boot on that last and third pull. So we got it back off the trailer, and we started for... The drag race, we just had to get the truck ready. There were a couple of, uh, couple of things we wanted to change wiring wise and I had to put the drive shaft loops on, put the flicks on and so we went ahead and made those changes. Um, so Saturday came around, we went ahead, got checked in, um, the truck ended up weighing 5,700 pounds with me in it, uh, went ahead, Took the truck down the track. As soon as I hit second gear, the throttle linkage fell off on uh, the P-Pump, which is pretty common. That truck uh, has a lot of original miles on it, um, so we went ahead and got that secured back on, and we made our second pass, uh, which was a 1081 at, I believe, 121 miles an hour. So we, we were thrilled. Um, you know, we couldn't couldn't really believe how well it was performing just based on how much money we had put into it. Um, so we went ahead and we were going to hit it a little harder, 
I hit it with the nitrous, um, and we had a lot of oil downs and what throughout the night, and all the UCC qualifiers got together in a meeting with Chris Sears, and basically we had to decide who would go in what order. Um, there was a gentleman that had worked all day long on his truck, getting it ready, and he made it, we all made it to the staging lanes in the time period, but because of the track and all the oil downs and everything else, they they weren't sure if they were going to let us run. So we, I mean, one thing I can say was after being in the UCC qualifier, like the amount of camaraderie and just like support for everybody else, you know, trying to get people to compete, it, it was great. Like we all voted. It was pretty much a unanimous vote. There was a couple of stragglers but everybody was like yeah let him go first um so he can get one pass in get his points um and it it worked out perfect everybody that was there on time got that third pass unfortunately i hit the uh track with so much uh launch i couldn't even reach the shifter that's how far i got launched (laughs) back into my seat and um yeah, we ended up spinning uh, about 6,000 RPM in a uh, old 12-valve, and it was not happy when we got to the other end of the strip. Um, we kind of had some some knocking and taking noises, and uh, that's never a good sign. So we went ahead and got it pulled back into the pit. Um, I want to say it was like about 9 o'clock at this point. Um, we had a bent push rod and a galled rocker. So not a big deal. We went over to uh, Power Driven, and I hit up Will, and I was like, hey, do you have anything that can work? And those guys, uh, there's a lot of companies, but those guys definitely, they were like, oh, here you go. So we put a new um, rocker pedestal uh, on the 12-valve. Basically, it spun so much RPM that the rocker pedestal, there's this little uh, machine ridge that, like, sits, in a recess in the head, it had actually galled that as well as the rocker tip. So we just switched pedestals, put uh, just one new push rod in it, and fired it up, and it sounded smooth. We had a miss. Um, cylinder number six just was not was not making much power at all. Um, definitely had a lot of blowback coming out of it, and. Uh, I was like, you know what? We just drove 2,400 miles. I was like, we spent all weekend working on this thing. Like, we are going to sled pull it. So we went ahead and started fabricating the sled pull setup. Everything for that sled pull was pretty much built at the track. Um, I just brought a bunch of steel. Uh, the only thing I had fabricated previous to that was I made the weight box myself, um, which... It looked okay. I mean, I'm not a fabricator, so I'm sure it could have been done a lot better. But to me, I was I was proud of what I what I produced. Um, and we had it was a whirlwind. We had a Canadian team next to us. Um, those guys helped us out. We had uh, one of the UCC qualifiers. Um, it really bothers me that I can't remember his name, but he let me borrow his generator because ours went out. And then I had uh, two Canadians that I worked in a pit crew with last year at UCC. They were in my pit crew. And then a just a friend that I had met at racing in Arizona, um, Spence, I had picked him up. He was the one I picked up in Utah and helped me drive to Indiana. Um, but, yeah, Spence, Rad, and Jim and I, and then probably – 12 other people were there till about midnight, 1 o'clock. Um, it was, we got it done. Um, it was definitely a whirlwind, but, you know, those people knew how to sled, set up a truck for sled pulling, and I was, you know, what I, I was liking the direction they were going, and I was like, you know what, we'll do it that way, and we got it ready. Uh, hit the sled, the sled tech, um, we were about 2,000 pounds light still with all the metal we had put on it for suspension and the front weight box. Um, and all the qualifiers were, were awesome. I mean, the one takeaway I got from that event was, you know, no matter what you needed, if they had it, 
they were fine letting you borrow it, letting you have it. Um, in the same way, you know, like one of the, one of the guys needed something that we had, and you know, it, it doesn't really matter because at that, I don't want to say at that level, but like at that style of competition, like you know, if I'm letting somebody else borrow something, you know, it's it's not really going to affect anybody, and it helps him out, you know, and you never know when you need the favor return. Right. It, it was great. Um, but then at the sled pull, we got loaded down with another 1,900 pounds. Um, I had the weight box full, and I had about 700 pounds of weight kind of bungee corded behind my seat. Um, I don't know if you've seen, like, a, the single cabs, but they got, like, that little black little yeah. boxes. Yeah, I had about 700 pounds sitting in there, um, bouncing around, banging around. So we got hooked to the sled. Um, first pull, uh, it fell under the chargers real bad. Um, definitely due to probably not firing on on all the on all the cylinders we brought to the table. And then the second pull, I was gonna let out, um, get out of the gate with a little more umph and snapped my driver's side axle shaft, which of all the things that could have broken, definitely, usually it's the passenger side that breaks. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, nobody got hurt. All the safety equipment was there to prevent people from getting hurt, and uh, I still had a blast, um, and I drove it on the trailer. I mean, that that, that was something to me. You know, when I talked to Power Driven and when I talked to, you know, the other companies that were willing to help me out, um, they were like, what are your goals for this event? And I was like, I want to make it there. I was like, I want to compete in all three events, and I'd really like it if I could start the truck and drive it on the trailer to get it home. And uh, I really would have loved to have sled pulled. I think the 12-valve engine really shines. Um in that sled pulling, if you just look at the dyno numbers of what it's able to do, of the horsepower to torque ratio, like, we were the only truck there that really did that, that big of a spread that, like, and, you know, most 12 valves when you look at them on a dyno are, you know, somewhere around that, like, 1 to 2, maybe 1 to 1.75, and then once you start to get, like, you know, like, the power-driven level of, like, the 1,800, 2,000 horsepower, that you start to see more of that common rail horsepower to torque range. But, I mean, we brought a truck that made a ton of torque. I think it would have taken that sled pretty pretty far if everything would have held together. But, you know, um, to me, I, I'm proud of what our team was able to do, what the truck was able to do. And, you know, it, I had a great time. And I, I want to say everybody that was there with our team also had a great time. That also leads into what you were telling me before the podcast is that this truck wasn't the one that you had intended to bring to UCC, but you were able to, you know, find it, find a platform that you wanted. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about what that was like, having an idea of one truck you're going to take and having to basically bring it all together really fast on a different truck. So I bought my UCC qualifier spot in, well, obviously last year, probably the day after it came out, I was like, you know what, I really want to do this, this is something that I've been thinking about, let's do it, so I bought a, or at the time, sorry, I had a 98 extended cab long bed, 12 valve, and uh, that was the truck I was going to go for, um, and I bought some parts and we were getting the ball rolling and you know real life came knocking which i'm sure a lot of people can relate to and you know as much as i love diesel drag racing it doesn't pay my bills so i went ahead and uh got rid of that truck and i got relocated for work to southern california and uh had some personal stuff going on in the background and wasn't really sure um and then all of a sudden in march you know, the family came together and was like, you know what, if you're going to do it, do it. Um, and here's the money you had to play with on it. And I set out to do it. Uh, I, I called, made sure all the companies that I was originally talking to, um, 
you know, that they were still on board, and they were like, yeah, let's do it, make it happen. So I, I hit the Internet. I started looking for, for something to start my base on. Um, I ended up buying this 95 single cab long bed out of uh, Georgia. Um, I found it... Like probably a week after I started looking, um, it was a great, it was a great candidate for this because it wasn't a lot of money. It didn't look the best. Um, it was on stock wheels and tires. The exhaust was like, you know, kind of raggedy, and the interior was thrashed. The paint's peeling. Um, but that's what, like, to me, for if I'm gonna use a race truck, like I'd rather start with that like truck that's not gorgeous i mean as much as i loved seeing you know even like ryan from fat fab like his truck's beautiful but if you're on that budget like i was i'd rather see a ratty truck you know ripping down the drag strip than you know i just didn't have the money to spend on something like that so i bought this truck it had already had compounds uh compound turbos a 366 over a 480 john deere style cover um, it, and that was a, and I had some billet shafts in the transmission, um, and that was about it, uh, everything else, um, pretty much got replaced, uh, re, we reused the turbos, um, and that, that was about it, and then we rebuilt the transmission, um, but anyway, I bought the truck, I drove it myself all the way from Georgia to California in a weekend. Um, definitely not a, not the best drive ever, uh, in a truck with no air conditioning, but, you know, when you have UCC on your brain, you'll, you'll do <laughs> just about, do just about anything. Um, and we started on that build, um, the weekend I got it, it actually broke a fuel line, the fuel return line, so as I was driving, it was pumping the fuel out, and what really was awful was the fuel gauge on the truck was kind of inaccurate so when it started reading that it was on e i was like oh whatever like loose wire pretty common on second gens but that that uh floater in the tank will not make contact with the uh sending unit and then it makes it think it's empty so i was like oh whatever second gen problems until the truck died on me so then i had to uh walk to a fuel station get it filled and all that Lovely stuff. Um, and then I did finally end up getting it home, and we just tore it down. Um, I have some of the best friends I like to think in the world, and I have a family that really supported it, and I hit it hard. Uh, I work usually from like 6 in the morning until 6, 7 o'clock at night, and, you know, from the time I got home until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning some days, you're just thrashing on this thing and I knew the end goal was UCC and it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it so we just started tearing it down um, I got the engine and transmission all packaged up and we went up to power driven uh, diesel in Cedar City Utah and those guys were awesome uh, they opened up their shop to me and let me use it like it was my my own shop and i'm extremely grateful for that um it's just nice to have access to some of the equipment that you don't have in your you know your home garage like a lathe and um all the good lighting and and just stuff that you didn't think about but like the hot tank you know cleaning everything up makes makes life a lot easier so then what we did um because of the budget i was on um, you know, you gotta make cuts and you gotta, you gotta make stuff last. So, we knew that a high RPM, kinda loose and low compression, um, 12 valve would survive. Um, it, it has survived. Uh, you look at old sled pulling, and we pulled a lot of stuff from, uh, I remember as a kid watching like Darren Morrison and, um, Phil from DPC, uh, race, you know, the shy second gen truck. Uh, I, I remember seeing those trucks as a kid and, uh, um, you know, what they were able to do, you know, with that 
475 box charger and tons of nitrous and you know they were running tens and nines and they could do it you know they might balloon the converter but i mean they, their engines were staying together so that's kind of what we went with um so uh, with the engine build that was a factory 267 mile um engine transmission that was what was on the truck um we just pulled the engine apart um welded the crank gear to the crank shaft um the cam came out of one of todd's old builds it was a hazley pulling cam pretty pretty nasty cam um definitely not a street cam it's it's driving the truck now like that cam really doesn't start to come to life until about 3000 rpm um we looked at the rods we put new bearings in the rods uh and we put some hazy rod bolts into the rods but that's still a factory rod end bushing on the uh the upper portion and those are pistons out of a 24 valve vp vp44 truck and those were the used rings that came on there. Um, we just obviously changed the ring gaps a little bit. And um, Will Terry at Power Driven machined the pistons down for that Hazley cam and also to lower the compression of the engine so it would, it would stay together. Um, and then one of the only things that I still have yet to uh, really dive into is transmission work. Um, I don't. There's a lot of nice tips and tricks, and especially once you start getting into the power level that I find myself in now, like when you make those mistakes with line pressure or clutch count or, you know, things of that nature, like it will show its ugly head. I mean, I might be able to start messing around with maybe the 48RE in my tow truck, but as of yet, I still haven't still haven't gotten there. So uh, I went ahead, uh, Will rebuilt the trains. Um Every single shaft in that transmission was reused. Um, and we just kind of picked good steels and good clutches, and then we put, you know, some new parts in where we needed it, and we went with it. Um, the truck has a diesel performance converter uh, triple disc V10 stall. Uh, so it's it's got the stall of, like, the old V10 second gen. Um, they seem to do really well. Uh, I had never really heard of it until I started talking to Power Driven. And, you know, I, I really like that converter because it's a little looser than stock, but it comes on so much different than any other diesel stalled converter I have driven yet. Um, and it works well with my setup. Um, with the turbos side of that engine, there's no way... A 480 is going to take what we what we did to it. So what we had to do was the wastegate that came off the manifold that used to dump, and it would obviously bypass the 366 and dump into the hot pipe to the 480. We knew we couldn't use that anymore, so we vented it to the atmosphere. Um, you can't drive that 480 any harder. I think I was driving it almost 70 pounds. That is, like, that turbo was definitely a solid runner, um, and it, it held up great, and to this day, it, it still ran really well, um, but we wasted a lot of energy potential doing it like that, but we were able to spray so much more nitrous into that, that engine because of that. Um, and then another thing that we did, I didn't have the money, obviously, for water injection. I mean, those systems can get in the thousands of dollars. So, not that they're not worth it, but uh, just not what I had. So, we took a Nitrous Express water methanol injection, and basically, all we did was uh, put a nozzle sitting in front of the compressor inlet of the 480, and then we put another nozzle facing the compressor inlet of the 366 and whenever the nitrous is on so is the water and we were just literally spraying water into the inlets to keep the turbos cool um and then as far as 
the other stuff uh, had power-driven push rods in the engine, um, power-driven injectors. The cylinder head was just your your regular 60-pound valve spring upgrade um, with the titanium keepers. Um, we had shod lines that were used, and I'd say the staple, the thing I spent the most money on, um, and the thing to me that was most important was the injection pump on those P-pump trucks. Um, I've, I've had a lot of them. I've even had a P-pump 24 valve. I tried to make a race truck at one point. And uh, the heart and soul of those engines, you know, the make or break, so as, as some would say, is that P-pump. And that was the most expensive part that I bought. Um, I went with a 13-millimeter uh, P-Pump from Seth Farrell, um, that thing, that was the, the best money I spent um, as far as quality and stuff like that. I mean, I bought that pump new, and Seth had that pump to me in a week. I mean, that, the turnaround time of Farrell Diesel Service, I you know, that guy is awesome. He was actually at UCC the whole weekend, bouncing between myself and power-driven. Anything I needed, Seth was there, um, and that was awesome. So we went ahead. Uh, that pump had uh, full-cut delivery valves. It had the 120 holders. Um, it had a hazily adjustable pump gear on the front, uh, and it had a sleek 5K governor, which uh, I don't know P-pumps like the back of my hand, but what happens is, there's not governor springs anymore, to my knowledge, um, and it's it's fun to drive because at like 2,200 RPM, it just wants to take off, and it will bang 5,000 RPM so fast. <laughs> it, it, it rips, um, and I love that pump. That pump, Seth said, should I, I'll be able to grow into it. I'll put it to you like that, um, and... Uh, we went a little different route with the fuel delivery, too. Um, not that fast or AirDog didn't have a product for me, but uh, I just didn't have the money for it. I mean, they offered great pricing, but it, it was still just something I couldn't afford. So I took a MagnaFlow 1000 that came with the truck. Um, I had never heard of this pump. And I called Darren Morrison at Pro Street Diesel, and he's like, dude, we've been using these for years. He's like, they work great. And uh, it, it was amazing. I, I think they're like an ethanol fuel pump. And uh, it was awesome. I, You know, at wide open throttle, from what I can remember, I didn't see the pressure go below 60 PSI at a P-pump. Um, and that's about where Seth wants them. And uh, that was the only concern that we all had was it kept up great with the pump that was on that truck, but, you know, you start taking fuel pressure away from a P-pump, you will lose so much power so quickly. It's it's not funny. And uh, we were just able to control that fuel pressure with one of those, like, cheap $15 adjustable overflow valves. I mean, nothing, nothing fancy. Um, and the, the only difference between... Uh, the truck uh, is, I just bought a new one. It, it came with one, but the, the spring was definitely weaker, so I, I bought a new one. Um, and, yeah, we, we put it all together. Uh, I had my, my friends Cody, Art, and Chris, and, uh, you know, my, my wife pitched in, my son pitched in. Everybody was helping out, and that was amazing. Uh we got the truck put together. I don't know how, but somehow we got it, we got it all put <laughs> together. Um, and I was working on the truck until I put it on the trailer. Um, and we made it out there. We drove through a blizzard in Bell, Colorado. It was awful. Um, but luckily, I grew up in Illinois, so for me, snow wasn't wasn't a big deal. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a rush to get it done, and we took the time when we could, and we hurried up on the stuff we knew we could, and uh, I'd like to say every bolt on that truck eventually got taken off and put back on, um, 
And the only other things we did to the truck, uh, we took the, we didn't have time uh, to tune a 47RH. There's a governor and there's different weights for different shift points. We didn't have time to do that. So we went with a full manual valve body from Power Driven, and it, it worked great. Other than I just couldn't shift on that drag strip pass, which is my own fault. Um, and, you know, changed some fluids in the transfer case. I put a new chain on the transfer case and kind of resealed it. Uh, the rear diff looked great. The front diff looked great. Um, just put all new U-joints in the, the drive shafts and stuff. And, uh, I actually did get the front and rear drive shaft balanced. Um, one of those things, uh, as a kid, I remember at the track watching a drive shaft go through the floor. Um, so I try to, I try to be as safe as possible, even with my budget. Um, and, you know, we have the drive shaft loops from Summit, just the generic, like, $30 ones that you gotta figure out how to make them fit. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that, that was it. Uh, I, I, tried out some ISPRO gauges. I'd always ran uh, auto meter before, and the ISPRO ones, you know, the they offered a, a more affordable line for what I was trying to do, and they worked out great. Uh, and I, I started hitting up local companies. Uh, there's a guy, um, Savage Fabrication in, like, Central California. He makes some really cool stuff, and it's not that, you know, I couldn't buy it somewhere else, but you know, nice small business. They're able to work with me. I, I run, I ran his, uh, shock tower deletes, his tappet cover, um, his valve cover breathers and his intake horn. And, you know, that was the first intake horn I'd ever ran from him. And he was able to put kind of an angled nitrous inlet that kind of followed the arc of the intake horn. Um, and it was a beautiful piece. I mean, it, I hate chrome and polished stuff. Like, it drives me nuts, but I left it like that because that actually looked really good. It didn't fit in the engine at all for for the rest of the, like, rust and everything else we had going on, but it, it was beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, and, uh, yeah, I uh, that was kind of how we built the truck. Uh, a lot of eBay steering stabilizer. Um, Dodge Off-Road was nice enough to help us out with some front suspension stuff. Um, those factory control arms were definitely toast as well as that track bar. And then I went to AutoZone and I just bought the, the 99 steering setup. Uh, so I, I switched it to a T-bar and, uh, we kind of ordered some random fab parts and put a steering stabilizer on it. Um, and that, and that was about it. Longhorn fab came out with some you know, I love their stuff. I run them on every truck I've ever put traction bars on. Um, and we went with their setup, and it, it delivered. I mean, those, those things take a beating, and uh, they were great. Um, those guys came over actually at UCC and bought my whole team lunch. Uh, I mean, that that was an awesome gesture. I didn't, I didn't think anybody was ever going to buy anything for us. I never expected it. And... Uh, all in all, I'd say this UCC experience, I learned a ton, um, and it just made me want to do it again. I'm actually kind of mulling on the weekend on the edge, um, but I have uh, my daughter is going to be due in September, so I, we're kind of playing that one by ear right now. What's so cool about hearing with your, you know, your build and what your goals were for it was what you were able, how you were able to maximize your budget. I think a lot of guys out there, they would love to to be a UCC qualifier. They would love to have fun at the track or at any of the regional events that are out there. How much money did you have total into the build? And what are some tips that you would give guys that want to take a 12-valve and do what you did? Or you know, take it to the drag stripper or sled pull and be competitive with it? Okay, so I actually went through, when you said you wanted to do this interview, I went through and looked at my credit card statements and bank accounts and receipts. I have a total for you. It was eighteen thousand five hundred twenty seven dollars and I want to say eleven cents. That is um, crazy for the yeah. amount of power that you yeah. that you made and the setup you got. Yeah. Well 
if you want to do a budget build, I'm going to bust out my notes here because there's a couple of things I wanted to hit on. For for a budget build, you just you, you kind of have to own it. Um, you know, I wouldn't suggest a budget build on a newer truck. I mean, you spend so much money on the truck, and the budget builds, um, you kind of need that extra money for, for other things. Um, a P-Pump 12-valve, um, you, you can't get much more power potential wrapped up in a package like that for, for anything less. You know, the common rails make insane power. I love them. I own one myself. Uh, it's my tow truck. But, you know, when you when you factor in a set of injectors, is $3,600. I mean, that's what I paid for the P-Pump injectors. You know, the whole, almost the whole fuel system would have just been in injectors. Um, and those 12-valve engines are, are so stout, um, you know, from the forged rods to the um, blocks that, you know, those those old 14-millimeter main blocks that were in the 12-valves are, are pretty strong units. I mean, there's a reason why people still sweat pull with 5.9 12-valves. I mean, sure, some of them are, they're filling them and stuff like that, but there's a lot of sled pullers that are still running wet 12-valve blocks. Um, and you can find these, you know, these engines on Craigslist and eBay and Internet forums and stuff. Like, they're still really cheap. Um, one of the one of the biggest things I learned was when I P-pumped a 24-valve, it cost more money to P-pump a 24-valve than it would have been to just, buy a 12-valve engine and put a better head on it because the benefit of that P-Pump 24-valve, in my opinion, is that center bowl, you have a center uh, injector, and then you have that better flowing head, but they don't, I don't think the juice is quite worth the squeeze on that. I mean, most kits out there, including a P-Pump, are about 5500 bucks. You know, you, you buy an old 12-valve motor, you know, two thousand dollars, twenty five hundred, maybe is about all I'm going to be willing to pay. I'll I'll wait around for the right deal, um, and that that's really the key to a budget build is the patience. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You're not buying, you know, new parts. There are so many parts of my build that we reused um, or I bought secondhand, and that's okay. Like to me, it doesn't matter. You know. I'll own it. You know, if a rod goes through the block, like, it was a factory 12-valve rod that had 267,000 miles on it. Like, I got my money's worth on it. <laughs> yeah, um, <you> did. <laughs> and uh, the, the best thing is maybe as I've gotten older, I've become a little bit more comfortable or whatever. I mean, I'm only 27, but uh, I just stopped caring what other people thought. You know, even today, I still get, you know, some people that are like, oh, your truck ran awful and it looked horrible. And you know what? They're probably probably right. That truck did not look pretty at all. But, you know, it, there's no arguing with the fact that we did really well until that uh, axle shaft broke. I think after the drag races, we were still in, like, eighth or ninth place. Um, and uh, once you are... Once you're willing to forget about what everybody else is saying and just do what you want to do, like, that, that is awesome. Um, and then on the budget builds, uh, setting a power goal and just building to that goal. I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I've wasted in my life on, you know, and I hear it a lot on your podcast, you know, even, you know, that guy with the 7.3, like, if you ask him how much money he spent, with the intake tune exhaust, and then, you know, you change turbos to, like, the S400, well, that intake that you just bought no longer works. That exhaust now has to come off because you got to weld a different exhaust flange onto that pipe, so you just buy a new one, and, you know, you're swapping injectors from the factory to something else. We, we built this truck for a power goal that we haven't even hit yet, um, and the only reason we we built it like that is I knew those turbos were not going to hold up to what we wanted to do to it. So everything on this truck was built for about 1,600 horse, and the turbos were the limiting factor. But 
when I bought the truck, those turbos came with it. Um, and that we just had to deal with it. Uh, for budget builds, um, you know, nitrous, it's so cheap to put nitrous on a diesel. We don't even have to wet shot it. You know, everything's dry shot. I, even a brand new nitrous express kit, you know, you can get it for five, six hundred dollars. Um, and wait for the sale. You know, Black Friday around Christmas time, you know, these companies have huge discounts, you know, even throughout the year, you know, Memorial Day, uh, 4th of July, um, you know, wait for that holiday and, you know, look on eBay, look on Craigslist, look on OfferUp. Um, I'm actually calling you from Arizona right now and last night I was on OfferUp and I found a couple of parts out here while I was traveling and I, I went and got them last night secondhand. Um, and you, you just kind of got to look for those those deals to pop up. Um, and like I said, the big thing for me is, you know, I'd rather have a truck that went really fast than looked really cool. Uh, and you save a lot of money when you're not buying wheels and tires and lift kits and lowering kits and, you know, all the, the cool body parts. You know, the those sport bumpers on second gens cost, you know, four or $500. All we did on mine was rivet the plastic down so it wouldn't fly off on the track and be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for people that want to do UCC or go drag racing, like, do it, you know. Um, everybody's like, oh, I, I don't think my truck's fast enough or I don't, I don't think it's this or I don't think it's that. Uh, I raced my tow truck in Arizona in the sportsman class, and I was still smiling. You know, I think I ran, like, a 15 or low or a high 14. Like, if I'm at the track racing, I'm having fun. And that's what everybody, you know, once you get there and do it, you realize that, wow, it really didn't matter that I wasn't going that fast, especially when I'm doing, like, bracket racing. You know, one of the best NHRDA bracket racers that I know of is uh, – Again, can't remember her name. She drives an old 7.3 Dually. They actually tow uh, their competition truck around the country, and she literally races that 7.3. Every NHRDA event I've ever been to, I've always seen her. Um, and she comes to the line, no boosted launch. The light turns green. She slams on the gas, and she is so consistent, you know, especially with bracket racing in the sportsman class that consistency, you can win, you know, and you don't have to have a 1,000-horsepower truck to do it. Um, and, you know, index racing is a great way to do budget builds, too, because then it doesn't matter how much money that guy has. If you can keep your truck together and run that consistent dial time, you can still win. Um, and, you know, even five 600 horsepower – I mean, when you think about a 12-valve, depending on what P-pump you had, you were making maybe 200 horsepower at the crank. You know, to take it to that five 600 horsepower range, it's a whole different truck. I mean, my, my tow truck makes about 500 horse on a on the hot tune, and, you know, that thing is a blast to drive on the street. And, uh, you know, you can still have fun. There's a lot to be had at that 500, 600 horsepower mark, and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to get there, especially on a 12-ounce platform. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. That's what's so cool about your your journey and your build and the advice that, that you gave is that if you come up with a power number and you're patient with it and put in the, you know, the effort, I'm sure there's a lot of effort that goes into, you know, checking different sale sale ads that are going on or different websites or networking with people or talking with people at the track and you know they got something that they're selling you can really put together a, a, a strong truck whether it's like your ucc truck or it's something for bracket racing anyone can do it with that patience and then just having that goal up front where i know i've wasted thousands of dollars on my truck just kind of jumping into it not knowing what i wanted changing something up the air intake is the big one how many guys do we know, you know, you, you throw an intake on and then you go to a different turbo and it doesn't work for some reason and you got to modify it or get a different one or something like that. But that all adds up 
over the whole build, that two, three hundred bucks, it turns into thousands pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can tell you right now, I just switched uh, atmospheric turbos. I went from a 480 to a 488SXE, um, but not not like the, the Borg Warner one. It's, it's a knockoff. I, I'm going to give it a shot, you know. For what I paid for it, I could buy it a few times over and still not pay for a 488SXE from Borg. Um, you know, just to change the piping, and I, I'm going to Boots and Piping. I, I went on the IntakeHoses.com, and I ordered what I needed, and it was still, you know, it was 100 bucks on top of the turbo. And, you know, I, I see even my, my friends do it all the time, and I'm just like, you know, let's let's just build it one time, and let's build it, you know, let's just take our time with it. Um, I, I think about my first truck all the time on how much money I wasted on all these drop-in parts. Like, drop-in parts are great, but if you know this truck is not going to stay like this forever, you know, companies charge a lot of money for a drop-in part because it's convenient. It's all wrapped up in one. Um, if you have the skills to do a little bit of fabrication or a little bit of tweaking, or if you're able to go on the, you know, there's so many great websites. I use intakehoses.com for a lot of my intake and intercooler piping and stuff like that like if you're willing to piece together the stuff you know or you can buy an hsp boot that's 16 inches long and then make your own boots you know what what you what you buy a a single boot for versus if i just buy that like 16 inch log of the three inch boot you know i can make four boots out of it and it's only 60 bucks you know and you just have to you have to be willing to work on a budget and some things aren't going to be the way you exactly wanted them to do but you know function to me is what really matters like if the parts work then run with it if they don't work then yes clearly you need to go back to the drawing board and kind of get get yourself situated um but you know don't be afraid i mean even and if you want that pretty looking truck like clean the parts up and paint them. You can do a lot with even the AutoZone, you know, engine enamel and stuff like that. Like, so much of how it turns out is that prep work. You know, if you're willing to sit there with a pressure washer and scrub it all down and spray it out and stuff like that, you know, you can still have that show quality look without going to the powder coater and paying hundreds of, hundreds of dollars on powder coat. You know, and it, it is paint, so it might you know, get dinged up and stuff like that, but you could still have a good-looking engine bay, you know, with some spray paint if you take that time with the prep work, you know. For sure. I think we've probably, you've got me fired up to do a 12-valve build, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. And your your Instagram page is where there's, there are so many ideas I got, and even, you know, like UCC stuff and different things you're doing. Where can people listening, if they want to follow your builds and, and see what you're doing, what's your Instagram name? Uh, it's just a P-Pump24V. Um, and feel free to ask questions. I mean, I like, I, I post up everything. Even if something doesn't work out for me, I'll still, still post it up um, just because, you know, a lot of, all, all the stuff you see, especially I see on Instagram, are these beautiful finished products. I was I love seeing the journey it took to get there, um, especially when you're the one doing the work. Uh, I try to help people out as much as I can, um, and I don't know everything, and I'm not ashamed, you know, to ask for help or advice and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's amazing how many companies are willing to help you out. I mean, this industry is so small still. I mean, you think about it, and it, it feels huge, but when I compare it to, like, gasoline drag racing, like, we're still such a small community, and to be able to get on the phone and talk to the owners of these companies that are at UCC is, it, it's really cool. You know, like, I met Dan Scheid. I met Patty Hazley. Like, you know, these are these are people that own these companies, and... You know, they're willing to help you because they want to see the sport grow just like I do. I mean, 
I'm now finally at a point in my career where I can actually offer advice to people and it, it feels great, but it's also awesome that I still get to learn. You know, I, I look at what Power Driven has done with their UCC truck and what Will does with his Junker drag truck and I try to figure out how to make that fit. Um, and one of the, one of the things I do on Instagram is I just look at what other people have done and how it's worked out and I'm like, okay, how do I make that work on mine? Um, prime example, I didn't have a shifter, one of those, the fancy ratchet TCI shifters that like Muldoon sells. Um, and I was like, but I, I needed to have something better than electrical tape toggle switches on my shifter. And I opened up my shifter, which wasn't designed for two switches, and I took like an auger bit I got at Home Depot and just hogged it out until I could fit two toggle switches in it. And, you know, I posted up kind of how I did it and the parts I used to make it happen, and it it has worked great. I saved a ton of money. Not that Muldoon's shifter is not awesome. It, it is so cool. If I had the money, I'd buy it in a heartbeat, but... You know, I didn't have that, that money to, to spend. Um, and I feel like so many people in this industry, uh, like as far as like the buyers, the consumers, um, myself included, like, you know, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do a little bit of work, you can still make a pretty cool, you know, DIY, so to speak, project and have it turn out looking okay. I mean, I'm sure my shifter doesn't look the prettiest in the world, but, you know, it works well and it flows nicely when I'm driving it. Uh, yeah, the, your your story and your insights and your advice, they're, they really do have me fired up. I've been looking at trucks, thinking about different stuff, and, you know, the 12-valve platform, it's, it's iconic in, you know, the Cummins community and the Cummins fans and and then all the, the lessons that you've learned. It's it's what everyone wants you know we want to have fun with our trucks not spend too much and and have it be reliable so man we really appreciate your time today and and talking with us giving us advice and we'll be we'll be keeping an eye on your truck seeing what it does the only last thing i i have to say too is um you know if if you do have you know if you do have kids or if you're married or have a girlfriend or whatever like you know the the quickest way to really fall out of this sport is is not including them i mean my family and my friends like i wouldn't have built the truck without them um and just trying to bring them into it because it takes up so much of your time you know and energy like if you're able to get them involved some of that time can be spent with them and still doing what you love um you know and I feel like a lot of people's drag racing career, like, it kind of gets cut short because of that family aspect. But, you know, if you can get them involved, you can stay, you know, you can do it longer, I feel like, you know. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and go to dieselperformance.com and dansdieselperformance.com for truck upgrades, whether you got a Cummins, Duramax, or Powerstruck. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.